What's going on, everybody? I'm AJ, and I'm going to break down UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva, taking place this Saturday on October October 31st, Halloween. And yeah, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to the event. We not only have this event on Saturday for the UFC, but we also have a Bellator event on Thursday, Bellator 250, headlined by Douglas Lima and Gagard Musasi. So it's it's really an awesome week for MMA. Uh, just from a from a fan perspective, if you like betting, then then there's some opportunities there potentially. So that's all out there, and then we can start contender series next next week. Dana White's contender series. So it's uh you know the 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 year's closing out strong. And, and speaking of which, um, one step closer to that goal that I mentioned last week of just you know closing off the year strong, um, you know being profitable, you know sustaining that success and and growing it. And just really, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, everything is, is kind of, you know, we're learning along the way, being, uh, you know, reflective and, and honest and just, uh, you know, really, really uh, seeing things, you know, and studying them, that sort of thing. Just uh, applying some stuff that, that hasn't worked or, or worked in the past diligently, studying the past results, past successes um, and applying them in the future. Make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're the best place, uh, you know, going forward to, to do well. So with that said, um, if you'd like to purchase uh, my place for the event, I already have one as the time I'm recording this. I'm going to move in on one more. It's a prop bet, um, waiting for the odds to be dropped because it's early on in the week. It's it's only Monday here, the 26th, so uh, kind of wait for that. But it's just going to be looking like two plays here for this UFC event on Saturday. Haven't actually looked at the full Bellator card yet. I've looked into a couple fights, but nothing too significant. And uh, I plan on doing that a bit more after uh, I record this podcast here. So potentially I have some plays uh, on Bellator as well, which is included in the uh, premium subscription package that I offer you guys, speaking of which. So if you'd like to purchase my plays for this event, one event, it's 35 bucks, which is like the one event trial offer. You get uh, the plays for the week. So it, the UFC event, as well as if I place any for Bellator, and then not just the bets themselves, but also the rationale, the reasoning as to why I made those plays. Um, but I also <clears throat> updated the pricing on the respective, you know, packages uh, for the term length that, you know, the longer the term you commit to, the more money you're saving. So for instance, on the one event trial offer, it's 35 bucks to purchase. But if you want to purchase the month, which is four consecutive UFC events, and any you know Bellator bets potentially in the meantime, if I do so within that time frame, that would be just fifty-five bucks. So fifty-five bucks for three extra events, potentially more, um, you know, compared to the thirty-five dollars, just twenty bucks extra for uh, a, you know three plus events there. So I did that, you know, just because I perceive this as a long-term game. I realize that not everybody sees that, but I just really do believe that there's really value here. Um, and looking at this from from the long game, you know, not just, you know, looking for just quick wins. Uh, quick wins are nice, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, long term, long term success, long term growth. That's uh, I, personally, that's what I think is is more of a priority um, for me. And speaking of which, just coming off a, an event, uh, 4-0 clean sweep, uh, bets cashed on Robert Whitaker and Alexander Volkov to win out of parlay, just played them straight, respectively. Also, the under on the two and a half rounds on Oliveira, Rachmanov, and uh, the fight doesn't go to distance on Tuivesa and Strew. So it was a profitable night, 6.86 units. All my bets are third-party tracked and verified at betmma.tips backslash AnthonyS364. And speaking of which, if you would, you know, if you are still one of those people that, you know, just like just one event, you're not really sure, but you still would like to purchase my plays, you could do so at betmma.tips as well. They have a really 
uh, useful website. You could purchase the picks there um, for the same respective price. And then you could also see my my results over a long period of time. You could sort by year. You could sort by weight class. It's very useful, very helpful website uh, to look through all that and see some past successes or, or failures <laughs> that I've had. Um, so you could do so if you'd like. And then uh, if you'd like to purchase my place, uh, like I said, website, ajsactionpacksportsbets.com backslash premium hyphen subscription and also mmaoddsbreaker.com backslash premium uh premium excuse me picks um great website as well um i've been contributing there for a few months now and i really like it so uh you got three different ways to purchase my place for the event so that which includes my bets for the event as well as the rationale and uh, my, my favorite DraftKings picks as well so you get you know three different pieces of content um and uh from what I understand it, it, people see value in it. So I'm, I'm glad that people see that. And so with all that said, uh, yeah, just looking to close out the month strong, uh, make it the second consecutive winning month in a row. And, uh, you know, appreciate the support. Last week was was the most views that I had on my full card breakdown. And I realized that I'm not like triple digits or certainly not quadruple di digits yet for views. But I really appreciate the, the gradual growth that you guys are giving me to support. Um, I really appreciate it. I love doing this. So I'm glad that you guys see value in, in these breakdowns and I plan on rolling them out. And uh, from what I understand, rolling them out earlier in the week is better because like I said last week, not as many people release their podcasts this early on in the week and understandably so, you know, not everybody has the time and, and I totally get it. We're all on different schedules and whatnot. So I wanted to, I think the, the spreading out of the content for the consumer is the way to go in the industry. And I really appreciate that about everybody. So with that said, let's just talk about the event. Um, just some general thoughts. It's pretty interesting. You know, there's some, you know, newcomers slash fighters that, you know, just don't really fight that frequently. So it's just kind of like a, a card where we just don't have a lot of UFC, UFC data on these fighters, like fighters that have fought in the UFC octagon for an extended period of time. Like I said, a lot of newcomers, fighters coming in on layoffs. Uh, some potential intangibles that we'll get into that could potentially hinder their performance, though it's not a guaranteed thing. So there's a lot of like variables, basically, is what I'm trying to say with this card. There's some fights that aren't aren't like that, such as uh, Feely Mitchell that we'll get into, where there's like a lot of data on these guys, and uh, we kind of know what we're getting out of them both, respectively. Other fighters as well, such as Kevin Holland and Mahmoud Muradov, as well as Greg Hardy and Maurice Green and, and Bobby Green and Tiago Moises. So again, those are like the main card fights, which I'll get into later on. But uh, for now, we'll talk about the prelims all the way on up. To open up the night, we have eight. Or excuse me. We have Miles Johns actually taking on uh, Kevin Not Natividad. Um, I'll be honest here. I actually overrated Johns in the past after going back and, and rewatching some recent fights of his on tape. I do think he's a talented fighter. I think he's a solid athlete and a good wrestler, but there's a couple red flags that I see in him. Uh, I do think his cardio is a big liability. He was noticeably tired in round two there on the contender series. He was, he was taking some deep, deep breaths. Uh, he was even tired there in between in between rounds one and two. He was kind of getting bailed out by, by some takedown attempts and rocking his opponent. And so it made it look as though he wasn't as tired as he actually was. Uh, but had he not hurt his opponent or had his opponent stuffed his takedowns, it could have been a it could have been a, a you know a tougher night for him. Certainly it probably would have been, maybe even led to a finish. I mean, he was just very tired there. And I, you know, I say bailed out because that only works so many times, you know, just when you're really tired, but uh, you're able to rest in top position, your opponent is hurt and is unable to capitalize. It only works so often. So it's a, it's a liability that I noted with, with him. Uh, it looked a bit better against Smith, but he still slowed down in his UFC debut. He had some kind of nagging injury in that uh, contender series appearance. And I, I think that contributed to it, but it still makes me nervous 
seeing him so tired so early on in that fight. So I definitely do think that John's cardio is a liability um, as well as just his, his striking, you know, like his striking is just pretty basic. Like, doesn't really throw the most technical hooks. Like he's pretty much just trying to set up the right hand the whole time. You know, like he's got some power in his right hand to his credit, but he just doesn't really use many very tools. Like doesn't really throw many kicks if at all. And in this matchup here against Natividad, I do think Natividad's the better striker. He utilizes some good feints. He's a pressure fighter, which uh, definitely you could back John's up against the fence. He's shown that he's comfortable taking the back foot in fights, partly due to that. Uh, cardio liability. He's got big power to Zatividad. I'd say he's the better combination striker of the two, more varied. Um, and like I said, more technical strikers. So uh, it's an interesting matchup. I think that it probably is going to take place on the feet for the majority of the time. I do think that Johns is the better pure wrestler of the two, but my issue with Johns' wrestling is, one, he doesn't really have good top control. He's one of these guys that's, you know, submission over position. And as a result, you know, when you're hunting for submissions from the front headlock position, you're surrounding that top position. And as a result, the opposition is getting up. Um, so he looks good on the initial takedown, but in terms of actually maintaining top position, uh, that's kind of an issue with him. And Natividad, like I said, I don't think he's a good wrestler. He probably could get taken down if John shoots on him, but I don't see John's doing anything too significant from top position. Natividad, uh, a BJJ Brown belt himself. He is a, I say solid grappler from what I've seen. He looks to uh, threaten with submissions you know, when need be, but mainly looks to strike. Um, so in a fight that should primarily be won or lost on the feet, uh, I actually favor Natividad. You know, I trust him, you know, more as just a better pure striker. He's also got four inches of reach on Johns. And I know I said Johns is a good athlete, but I also think Natividad is a good athlete too. I don't think there's this like wide discrepancy in terms of uh, athleticism on one guy or the other. So, um, you know, where Johns wins is through some top control on the wrestling. Potentially he mixes in some striking success. Maybe he lands a big right hand on a Tividad, a Tividad. Uh, he has been knocked out once in pro MMA in hip. He is very hittable in striking exchanges is Natividad. And, uh, he looked briefly hurt in his most recent LFA fight. So, uh, John's path of victory is just hurt Natividad with a big right hand on the feet or, you know, mixing some wrestling, some top control. Otherwise I think Natividad's going to win. Cause I just think he's the better overall fighter here. So, uh, you know, a fight where both fighters are relatively green, especially Natividad hasn't fought uh, opposition with uh, a high winning percentage of, of combined records. But uh, I will side with him because I do think that he is the, the superior technical striker here. So Natividad is going to be my pick. Courtney Casey taking on Priscilla Cachuera. Uh, Cachuera in her first three UFC fights just showed a lot of defensive liabilities. Uh, obviously, her her debut was against Valentina Shevchenko, so that, that is not a bad loss by any means at all. But uh, just some other fights like against Molly McCann. Uh, she got very tired there in round three. I noticed that she got tired against uh, Luana Carolina as well. The cardio is uh, definitely a concern that I have with her. Her striking is is fairly predictable, I'd say, just kind of mainly wings, hooks, and occasional jab and a knee and a low kick. Uh, say her takedown defense is a liability. She was taken down from a double leg by McCann in round one, taken down easily by McCann in round three from a caught kick as well. And her grappling defense on the ground is, is a huge liability. Uh, her back was taken by McCann, but an arm triangle by McCann. You know, she was mounted by McCann in round one, controlled by McCann on the ground. She was put in a triangle choke by Carolina in round two, and in an arm bar and was mounted by Carolina in round two. Now, you know, these these are all concerns that I have, but I'm actually kind of hopeful that they've improved because, like I'll get into with the striking, it did look, you know, not so great in those those first three fights, but it did look a lot better, you know. It, you know, first couple of UFC fights, she was showing like pretty bad footwork, wasn't really moving laterally, wasn't moving laterally at all, wasn't cutting off the cage, was just really flat footed, um, wasn't raising a high defensive guard. And she was just 
very easy to hit in striking exchanges. You know, she was wide open to being countered. Her chin was tucked, tucked or not tucked, excuse me. And as a result, we even saw her hurt against Luana Carolina. But I do think that those three losses in a row kind of fired her up because like in that fight against Dobson, I know it was over so quick, but she actually showed a lot better lateral footwear. She did, she did like a great job of cutting off the cage and kind of forced like a panic out of Dobson and was able to pressure her against the fence and land a big uppercut. And she also had a high, a high guard there, you know, as whereas before in her first couple fights against like say McCann or Carolina, she was keeping her hands low. So I know that those are just two improvements and they were over the span of just a few seconds. Cause that fight was with Dobson was over in like a minute, but those are improvements nonetheless. She does train with uh, uh, Jessica Andrade. So that that's definitely a good sign I'd say. And you know, those improvements, I think that, you know, potentially we see more improvements out of her, but I still do have questions about her cardio um, and her grappling. And also if that striking technique and defense uh, sustains as the fight goes on, because, you know, usually as the cardio goes, so does the technique and everything else. So um, it's just, a again, take it with a grain of salt, but I do think that she's improving. Courtney Casey, on the other hand, I do think that she's the better overall fighter. If this fight goes to the ground, I think she'll have a big advantage. I know she's coming off a loss, uh, to Robertson here again uh, by submission, but she is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. She's the, the better grappler of the two. Casey, not a good wrestler, but, uh, you know, th there are some certain proficiencies that I like about her. You know, she's got a body lock takedown ability uh, and a good level change. You know, she took Angela Hill down from the clinch, a woman who's not easy to take down. You know, obviously we saw Michelle Watterson go one for 18 on takedown attempts against her recently. So, uh, it's more so Casey's defensive wrestling and her lack of willingness to offensively wrestle, but you know, offensively wrestling wise, it's still not, it's still not great. But uh, if she goes to the ground, she will have a big advantage there. And on the feet, you know, Casey's pretty flat footed herself. Um, footwork, I would say is, is generally more serviceable of the two, just from the larger sample size um, over the course of 15 minutes, but it's still not good. I'd say her head movement could be improved. She's kind of willing to trade in the pocket and she throws like a lot of arm, arm punches. So she's not a great technical striker. Uh, she's aggressive. She'll land in volume. I think that she's the, the more durable fighter of the two. Um, so I will actually side with Casey here, just more experienced, has fought the higher level of opposition. Cardio is more trustworthy, uh, slightly favor her on the feet though. Like I said, uh, the improvements of uh, Priscilla catch where it could, could make it interesting. But if this fight hits the ground at any point, I honestly think, I honestly think that, uh, Casey here will be a sub to submit catch where even if, even if she's in her guard, uh, you know, catch where is in Casey's guard. So I'm going to pick Courtney Casey here, uh, to win this fight. Dustin Jacoby taking on Justin Ledette, two strikers featured here. Justin Ledette, primarily a boxer. He's a good technical boxer, but there's really not too many layers to his game. He's got some serviceable footwork, but you know, when he strikes, it's just like a lot of jabs and, you know, like a hook and a cross. He doesn't really vary his attack, doesn't throw kicks. You know, he doesn't go for takedowns, uh, you know, except for like the Mark Godbeer fight. So if you've got like a ground game that is just, you know, not good at all, he's able to exploit that. But he's only a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt. And from what I saw out of Jacoby, I think that his ground game, it's it's not it's not great, but I think it should be good enough to avoid any kind of submission attempt or, or takedown that Ledet has, um, unless if he gasses. Uh, more on that in a moment. But uh, Ledet's just kind of like a hard guy to trust. Um, again, he, he's a technical boxer, but like he doesn't have really any pop in his hands. He doesn't have a knockdown in the UFC. The last time he won by knockout was in 2012. So I'm not exactly relying on him uh, to get a knockout here. And, uh, you know, even in fights where he's just like the vastly skilled fighter, like against uh, Zhu and, and Yanwu, the fight was just very competitive because his output is so low. I mean, he just barely attempts any strikes. Neither did Zhu, but like when Zhu really wanted to commit, uh, they were more impactful than, than Ledet's strikes. And so that as a result, he 
made the fight very competitive and it went to a split decision. So uh, in addition to that, Ledetsch is very susceptible to low kicks, as as shown by the Chase Sherman fight, Alexa Kimor, uh, and, and I guess most notably the Alexander Rakic fight, where Rakic has had a very dominant, very one-sided performance against him. Um, so there's just not a lot of tools that Ledeck could use. Dustin Jacoby, on the other hand, he's coming off his contender series win. Uh, I think he's a good, I think he's the better fighter here of the two. He's a good technical striker. He utilizes feints, whereas Ledeck doesn't really use them as a, as excessively as uh, Jacoby does. He's the more varied striker of the two is Jacoby. Um, he's got crafty striking in the clinch. He fights at the higher pace of the two ability to switch stances and the countering proficiency in himself, you know, trains at, Factory X Muay Thai, we know those guys like Yusuf Zalal and, you know, some other fighters that train there like to go to that low calf kick um, over there in Colorado, Colorado, and it's worth dividends, you know, and we know I have seen that uh, Jacoby has worked a low calf kick. So I do think that he could have success kicking Ledette's leg um, and just be the more effective striker here over the course of three rounds. Uh, Ledette has shown to be largely durable. I know he got a stoppage loss there against Walker, but it was like a it was like a spinning back fist. I mean, there really isn't anything that, you know, from Jacoby's game that, that has shown me that he's going to go out there and try it. He wants to fight, you know, technically, methodically measured. Um, you know, he'll go for some stuff like, you know, like a flying knee in the clinch, but it's a very, like, calculated risk that he's willing to take. So uh, can he hurt Ledet? I'm sure he can. I think it's possible, especially with the late kick threat. Uh, but uh, I think this fight will play out on a round-to-round basis where I'm going to favor Jacoby, just more active striker, uh, better striker overall, more tools, and uh, – and a fight that should be won or lost on the feet. But, uh, you know, him being as big of a favorite as he is kind of makes me concerned because uh, his takedown defense is kind of shaky. Don't think it'll cost him here, but that's a flaw nonetheless. And uh, also he kind of leaves his chin high, and uh, he definitely slowed down there in that contender series fight. He, he slowed down there around the halfway mark of round two, so that's definitely a concern. Um, maybe it was an adrenaline dump. I don't know. Uh, didn't really see anything like that out of him and say his previous fight against Cody, Cody East, but uh, still something to, I guess, note nonetheless. But nonetheless, he will be my pick. Uh, to win this fight. We have Jason Witt taking on Cole Williams. Uh, basically, I think Witt is just the much better fighter here. The issue that, or the concern rather that I have with him in, in general, and, and certainly in this matchup is his chin. Uh, he's been knocked out multiple times, you know, even if you want to go back to his UFC debut, um, even in fights where he, that have gone to decision, I've seen him rocked, uh, just hurt a lot. Like the, the durability of of wit is a huge concern. Um, and that saddle fight was only a few months ago. So I would think that it's enough time to recover, but it's, I'm still not exactly sure. We see some, some fighters, you know, sometimes take a year off before they get back in the octagon. I remember Robbie Lawler after getting knocked out by Tyron Woodley, uh, took about a year off before getting back in the octagon and fighting, uh, Donald Cerrone there at UFC 214. So I guess it's a case by case basis, but, uh, we'll see exactly how he bounces back. But, other than a than, than a knockout shot, you know, Williams does throw with power, particularly in his right hand. I just think that Witt's the, the better athlete here, better striker, uh, better grappler as well. And uh, I, I would just say the more complete fighter um, and just I, I would say cl- much closer to his, his athletic prime and has fought more recently. So uh, unless if Witt gets knocked out by Williams, I, I just think he wins this fight potentially uh, very comfortably. So Jason Witt is going to be my pick there. Sean Strickland taking on Jack Marshman. This is a very interesting fight. I think that it all kind of depends on where Sean Strickland is at as a fighter. And what do I mean by that? Well, he's kind of actually coming off a, a big layoff here. The last time we saw him fight, um, 
was at UFC Fight Night Smith versus Volkan um, about a year and a half or so ago. And uh, he won that fight very impressively. But since then, he's actually uh, unfortunately had a motorcycle accident. And I'm not exactly sure how that will affect him because we have seen some fighters in the past, uh, you know, whether it's MMA or other sports where, you know, they get in a, a, an accident and, uh, you know, sometimes they come back and they're still performing at a high level or, or relatively close to it. Like if you um, look at a guy like Frank Mir, you know, he had a, a motorcycle accident in like 2004, came back, uh, got some really good wins, went on to have, a you know, definitely his fair share of success in the UFC. But then we've seen some other fighters, uh, you know, in Bellator, for instance, like Daniel Strauss, um, you know, her. The, the accident didn't seem to um, affect his career in a, in a positive way um, in the sense in terms of like how he was performing, you know, winning consistently, things like that. Um, you know, he had a, a win in the meantime after coming back from it, but uh, the follow-up fight and, uh, you know, just looking at some other athletes in other sports, I remember Jay Williams um, on the Chicago Bulls and, you know, you got Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I named a couple examples of fighters on each side, respectively, you know, each side, meaning like they, they went on and still, uh, did their thing in their respective forts and, and performed at a high level. But then I also named a, a couple of fighters that it didn't, they weren't performing as high of a level as say they did before the accident. And why I did that, because it's just so hard to tell. I don't know how Strickland is going to respond. Like uh, from what I read, it seemed like a pretty serious accident. I mean, obviously it's motorcycle accident, so it's, you know, can it be serious in general, but uh, I'm not, that, that reason alone makes me kind of like, pump the brakes on like the conviction on this pick. Like, yes, I'm going to end up still picking him to win. I think he's just the much better fighter here. He's a better striker. He's sharper, more defensively sound, uh, better head movement, um, superior combination striker, I'd say better wrestler, uh, better athlete, much better grappler, I think, and just better overall round winner. Um, Marshman's got some solid boxing, but he's just flawed in a lot of areas. Just striking output is very low. Uh, durability is pretty questionable. Has been finished a few times. Takedown defense is a huge liability. Uh, he's been taken down in so many fights in the UFC. You know, Roberson twice, Shabazian, Seedon Blad, Tiago Santos, um, and it's been without really any resistance. Uh, so Strickland, assuming we're getting a near version of what we're used to seeing him, and again, that is still kind of a reach because again, we've got the layoff and the motorcycle accident. So I'm not sure what version of him we're getting. Uh, but if he's anywhere close to that version of the guy that, you know, fought, say, Nordin Taleb, he he should really roll here. This is a, a really good matchup for him. And I think that he's getting this matchup so we can maybe see where he's at. Because, like, the version of him that we saw all those years is just much better fighter here. Like I said, in addition to the stylistic matchup, just better athlete, fought and defeated the much higher level of opposition and just the the more sustainable UFC fighter. He's just got much more tools as a fighter. Um, so I'm going to pick Sean Strickland. Um, if he loses, that just makes me think that he's not anywhere near, uh, what he was pre, uh, you know, pre layoff. So he is going to be the side. I will pick Adrian Giannis taking on Victor Rodriguez at the time of recording this, you know, I'm just kind of assuming here that this is the, um, actually the, the fight prior to the prelim headliner, um, as it looks like, you know, ESPN.com has Aaron Phillips still in there. I'm just going to assume that they put in Victor Rodriguez instead of Aaron Phillips uh, in the bout order. It's just going to remain the same. So uh, if you're wondering in case if it gets switched, there you go. Um, Yanez, you know, his striking stance, his stance in particular kind of reminds me of Sudik Yusuf. And, and I maybe I kind of think that because I actually saw Sudik Yusuf uh, fight Andre Feely when I went back and watched tape for this card because Feely's fighting in the co-main event. And, I, I think it's a positive thing for sure. You know, heavy on the league leg, lead leg, but, you know, just very uh, calculated and measured. You know, he's he's very powerful. Um, 
good combination striking. He checks a lot of boxes in terms of the striking does, uh, you know, you know, ability to switch stances. He's, he varies his attack. He's got those crafty oblique kicks, uh, counter striking proficiency. He checks low kicks. He's just a very measured and methodical striker, um, who likes to pressure, um, I'd say his head movement is overall good. There are there are some times where he uh, is comfortable taking damage and striking exchanges. You know, uh, he just I think is confident in his chin. I would say his chin is overall good, um, and I just think that he is the the better fighter here. You know, he's in addition to the the stylistic advantages that he has on the feet uh, in a fight that should be more lost on the feet. He's just I think the much better striker here. Uh, with all those advantages that I said, just technique wise, all the weapons that he possesses, more power in his hands. I'd say. Um, you know, Rodriguez could have some success, you know, kicking his leg. Uh, but like I said, he does check those low kicks, you know, sometimes. So there's a chance that, uh, you know, one check from Yanez just discourages Rodriguez altogether. And then we have this kind of like one-sided fight. Rodriguez just, you know, in addition to him taking this fight on short notice, he was notified October 21st. He hasn't been past the three minute, 33 second mark of the second round of a pro MMA fight. So Couple that with the short notice, and I have some serious question marks about the guy's uh, uh, not not durability, but uh, cardio. You know, he just fights very infrequently as well. He's fought six times in six years. Has Rodriguez? Like, I'm just not sure where this guy's at. Um, I just think my my eyes tell me that Yanez is just a much better striker here in a fight that should be won or lost to the feet. Um, so he's going to be that side I will take here, uh, Adrian Yanez to win. His second fight in a row, um, though he was on a win streak prior to that, but you know, what I mean, like contender series and then uh, and then UFC. So there is that, and then we have um, the prelim headliner Alexander Hernandez taking on Chris Gritzmacher. Um, I actually think this is just a really good matchup for uh, Alexander Hernandez. I know he's kind of you know been on a, a skid recently, but uh, you know losing to Cerrone and Dover, of course. But this is just a much different matchup. In this matchup, I just think he's just got so many advantages here. I just think he's the much better athlete, uh, better wrestler, better grappler, more defensively sound fighter, uh, faster, like uh, striking-wise technique. I think he's better there as well. He's just got so many advantages. And then just in terms of upside and youth, he's got that going for him as well. He's just been a lot more active than Gritzmacher, who we haven't seen fight since UFC 223 after beating Joe Lozon. You know, Gritzmacher, he's coming off a torn ACL. Um, and, and another like unknown injury, it wasn't exactly clear to me after researching what the other injury was, but he's been out with a torn ACL since, you know, um, April, April, 2018 was the last time he fought. So on paper, this is just a really bad matchup, I think for Gritzmacher. And then you throw in all those, in addition to the stylistic, uh, factors, just the, the intangibles of just him being out inactive, hurt, um, and just, you know, you got Hernandez here who now switched over to factory X Muay Thai, I think that can help his skill set. That can help his cardio, though. I don't think his cardio is bad. But um, if there is any, you know, sort of path to victory that Gritzmacher has, it's to just kind of pressure and and overwhelm uh, Hernandez and kind of get him tired and maybe get a stoppage. Um, that would be the only way. Gritzmacher just he's a pressure fighter. He'll fight at a high pace. He'll just get in your face. He's got good cardio. Um, he's not particularly dangerous in anywhere area, but he will just kind of like overwhelm you with volume. Uh, the Joe Lozon is kind of like the the perfect. Uh, type of style that he will impose on you. If you really type uh, slow down on him as the fight progresses, like he won't stop walking forward. He won't stop throwing that volume. Um, and as a pressure fighter, he doesn't really care about uh, the the shots coming back on him a whole lot, you know, in terms of it, him at least defending them. Yeah. He cares about him. He'd prefer not to be hit, but you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, 
being a pressure fighter, you got to be okay with, with getting hit sometimes because that's your MO. You're just willing to walk the opposition down and, and take those shots. Um, so it's just a, a really bad matchup, I think, for Gretzmacher, and that's why we're seeing such a, a big line on Alexander Hernandez. So I think that despite a couple losses recently, you know, Alexander gets back on track here and uh, gets back in the win column. And hopefully this camp, um, you know, helps, you know, this matchup aside just helps his like longevity. Cause I do think that Hernandez is a really t- very talented fighter. And I don't know if it was like the camp that he had before or what have you, it just hasn't his UFC career hasn't exactly panned out yet uh, to what we maybe thought it would be after watching his first couple of fights against OAM and Benil Darius. So we'll see. It, it's only a, you know, a time thing, just kind of a guess, but I do think that the guy is talented. And then now we are on to the main card. We have Bobby green taking on Tiago Moises yeah, um, I get why Bobby's the favorite. Uh, the favorite, excuse me. I just I don't think it should be by this much, to be honest with you. And that's not you know that's not meaning that I'm going to bet Moises or anything. But like I, I just do think that this is a little bit of a recency bias here. I know that a lot of people, you know, like the run that Bobby Green has been on in 2020, and myself included. You know, I bet him in his last fight against Alan Patrick. I just see this matchup as a lot different, to be honest with you. Like. Bobby here, I don't think is going to go for takedowns. If he does, he might be in some trouble because Moises is a very high level black belt. Uh, he will threaten with subs on the ground. And I do think he's definitely a more threatening submission grappler than, than Patrick is. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that Bobby will look to, you know, take Moises down and on the feet. I favor Bobby. I think he's the more complete striker. Like he's, you know, more technical, I'd say better fighting at range. He's, he's varied. He's craftier. Uh, he could switch stances. Uh, he could utilize a, a low calf kick, and he's got some pop, uh, countering ability. Does Bobby? Um, and on paper, he's the better wrestler. But you know, you can push Bobby up against the fence. You know, he tends to walk straight back in a line if you could pressure him. Uh, that was evident in the play we defy, and that makes me nervous in this matchup here because Moises not a great wrestler, but he he shows some solid takedowns. Uh, he doesn't exactly set him up. He shows a good duck under level change. Uh, part of the reason why he couldn't get Johnson down was because he wasn't setting him up. And then, you know, Johnson's a good defensive wrestler, but, you know, assuming he gets Bobby just pushed up against the fence, I could see him uh, maybe even taking Bobby's back. I noticed that Bobby just gives up his back a lot, pretty much every time he gets up after getting taken down. Now I'm not expecting, like, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily predict Moises to submit Bobby, but it's kind of there. There will be opportunities there. If he gets Bobby down uh, and Bobby's just trying to scramble back to his feet, he, you know, Moises does have a, a chance to take his back, no doubt about it. Um, he's not like, he's not like an elite scrambler. He's not like a, a flyweight level scrambler as Moises, but uh, it, so it's, that's why it's kind of like a smaller opportunity, but uh, it, an opportunity nonetheless for Moises to hop on his back. Um, and in terms of the striking, again, I favor Bobby there, but I think Moises is a pretty solid technical striker himself. He could count a proficiency. He's for the most part defensively sound, despite starting slow there against Johnson, um, it was just kind of like a perplexing performance, to be honest with you. I, I actually had a bet on him there, um, thinking that he was going to be able to be, you know, competitive with Johnson on the feet. And, uh, you know, if, if the fight hit the ground at any point, basically round two, I thought he had a solid chance to submit Johnson to get some top control. But the first round really made me sweat. Um, but I didn't really see that in those other two, those other three fights that he had. So I'm not ready to like say he's like a bad strike or anything. It might have just been a flat outing performance. Um, Moises, he's got the superior footwork and he can switch stances as well. And he utilizes a good good low calf kick. So I favor Bobby here, but I I don't see this matchup as like a blowout at all. I really don't. I mean, I think the striking is close to be honest with you. I I favor Bobby, but it's not like by this wide margin. I mean, Bobby himself, it wasn't, 
you know, like he's, he's been on this run here in 2020, but like, you know, those fights against Trinaldo and Jacar Close weren't too long ago, or he, you know, kind of wasn't fighting with a lot of urgency, making fights very competitive. And as a result, he dropped a couple of decisions that were questionable. Um, but the reason why they, you know, why they were so competitive was because Bobby just kind of let the opposition dictate uh, the pace and, you know, uh, made, made it seem like they, they were the more effective striker. And so that's kind of what makes me nervous seeing Bobby here as a big favorite. Uh, against Moises, who's now nine years younger. Um, I think the the improvements that Moises is going to make on a fight-to-fight basis are just going to be more pronounced based off his age, where he trains in American top team. So, uh, again, I'm going to pick Bobby here, but I definitely see this fight closer uh, than the odds indicate due to Moises' uh, threatening submission grappling, uh, as well as his solid overall technical striking. I do think that he's, he's definitely coming along in that area. So, uh, pick is Bobby Green. Greg Hardy taking on Maurice Green. Um, to Maurice Green's credit, I do think that that last fight against Volante, despite it being a, a huge sweat there in round three, um, he he definitely fought like, more like a tall fighter. He definitely, um, you know, did a much better job at keeping range from Volante for within the first few minutes, more on that in a moment. Uh, but he definitely, you know, that that work at Jackson Wink, um, I think paid some dividends. You know, he started use, using their, uh, their oblique kick. Uh, like I said before, the oblique the oblique kick is, a, is an excellent weapon. He's also mixed in a, a good low kick as well. Um, started utilizing the jab a bit more um, just to keep that range and uh, started adding in some feints and some stance switches and some countering proficiency and combination striking. Um, the thing, though, with, with Green, though, and what makes me nervous here in this matchup against Hardy is, well, one, he's not going to have, like, this massive reach advantage over Hardy. Uh, they're actually pretty comparable in terms of arm reach advantage. Uh, but also just the durability. It makes me honestly really concerned the, the durability angle on the side of green. He's only been stopped via strikes one time in pro MMA, uh, but going back on tape, like it's still, it's a concern. He was hurt against Albini. Um, you know, back then he wasn't controlling range, say as good as he did against Volante, but it's still a concern. Nonetheless, he had Albini hurt. Um, and then he was, you know, kind of willing to trade in the pocket and he got hurt by Albini, you know, after hurting Albini himself. Um, doesn't really move his head off the center line. He could be willing to trade punches. Um, in addition to being hurt by Albini, he was hurt by uh, Juan Espino by a big right hand on, on the Ultimate Fighter show. Went down as a sub, but um, Espino dropped him there. And then Volante. Um, Volante in that third round really made the fight <laughs> like uh, like crazy almost because like Green was was doing well in that fight for the most part up until then. And you know Volante knocked him down with a counter left hook and then uh, mounted green and nearly finished them. And Mark Smith, the referee at the time, warned, warned green to fight back. Like green was almost finished there despite winning the fight. In addition to that, you know, the fight he was finished in was against Sergei Pavlovic, who very talented prospect, but you know, the durability still a concern nonetheless. And so this matchup here against Hardy, it's like, again, similar arm reaches. So I don't necessarily think that, well, green a doesn't fight long fight tall as the fight progresses because his cardio is a, a huge concern. Um, you know, allegedly he was having beers at the pool during fight week, according to Danner Bozer, uh, on the commentary booth. So, uh, doing that during fight week is a huge concern. And there's also those instances on the ultimate fighter. So, uh, you know, that the cardio is just a, a huge concern that I have with them. You know, he slowed down against Hughes, uh, in their second fight in the UFC. Um, he slowed down against Volante in round two, about halfway through by, by round three, he was really struggling to control range there. Um, so to add on to my point with Hardy, it's like, yeah, maybe like, Green uses his more varied tools for a little bit, but like as his fight progresses, I just think Hardy's just going to use his superior speed athleticism, uh, close that distance, and like 
land on him and, and probably hurt him. Like Hardy, Hardy has, you know, more in recent fights, he's shown to fight more, uh, more calculated, like more, um, more prioritization on like round winning rather than just going for that quick knockout. And I think that was like a lesson learned in his UFC debut because coming into the UFC, he was this guy that was getting all these like quick knockouts within like seconds, um, like on the contender series, just, he was just so strong, so physical. Um, and then when he came into the UFC in his debut against Crowder and he couldn't knock out Crowder quick, uh, he definitely slowed down there and it was like a lesson learned and it went on to be a DQ. And we haven't, we've definitely seen the improvements um, from Hardy since that UFC debut, you know, part of the reason why again, he's a very physically strong guy, great athlete, uh, NFL fo- former NFL football player. I've probably heard that a hundred times by now, but, uh, that whole like high level athletic background, uh, really helps him like learn, uh, the quote unquote playbook, if you will, on, on mixed martial arts, it really develop on a fight to fight basis. And you couple that with the fact that he's been doing some work at American top team. Uh, I noticed on his Instagram, he's been sharpening up his hands in terms of like, a, you know, some boxing, boxing gyms. And, uh, you know, his, his cardio has looked much better, I'd say, since the UFC debut. His takedown defenses look better since that UFC debut. Um, so he's only going to get better, I think, you know, because, again, he, he hasn't been fighting MMA for that long. Um, but he's not, like, so green right now or, like, green's got, like, this game that I think could really impose of kind of like what um, what we kind of saw with Lauren Murphy versus uh, Lilia Shakarova. Like, we, we've seen Hardy enough times in the UFC to say, like, he's not this – uh, super green fighter where he could be easily exposed. I mean, he's already been in there with Alexander Volkov, right? Um, and I really like how he dealt with the range of Volkov. You know, despite losing a, a fairly one-sided decision, he still held his own and he was still able to close on a longer, uh, more technical relative to green Volkov. Um, so I don't think it was a bad performance by Hardy by any means. He big step up in competition, short notice, broke his hand in that fight um, and, you know, still put up a valiant effort. So for, for this fight, it's like, I think Hardy, he's not, he's not like, he doesn't have like elite cardio, but he's got the better cardio of the two. Uh, again, that, that range advantage that green typically has is going to be strongly mitigated here. And I just think Hardy's going to be able to close on him and, and probably hurt him. Um, like I said before, Hardy has shown to win more decisions recently, but I would not be surprised to see Hardy win by knockout um, just based off the, the durability of green and just based off um you know, these advantages that Hardy will have, like, especially, you know, if he wants to work the body, uh, that could be a huge, uh, that could pay a lot of dividends for him. So I just really think this is a good matchup for Hardy. And that's why we're seeing him as a big favorite. So uh, Greg Hardy is going to be my pick to win. Next, we have Kevin Holland taking on Mahmed Muradov. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, Two long guys for the division. Um, obviously 185 pounds, all these guys are, are big, uh, relatively speaking, but uh, these guys in particular, are just very, very long, very tall, uh, like leaner guys. Um, what the matchup boils down to me is I think that, again, I still do have my, my questions on how I'm like defensive wrestling wise. We kind of even saw that a little bit exposed in his last fight against Stewart, but, uh, lucky for him here, Mahmed in all likelihood is not going to be shooting takedowns on him. Mahmed is, is more of a striker, just, uh, like Holland chooses to do for the most part. And uh, a fight that should be won or lost primarily on the feet. I do favor Holland there because longer reach, about six and a half inches per tabology. And he leverages it. You know, he's fighting behind a jab now. I do see the improvements with Holland on a fight uh, on a fight to fight basis. He's winning fights. Uh, you know, he's winning fights more clearly now. I know that that fight against Stewart last time out was a split decision, but uh, you know, for the most part, like his fights against Buckley. 
other ones he had, you know, comparing those fights to say his earlier ones that he had in the UFC, like against Gerald Mearshart and uh, Alessio DiCherico, where like the, the game planning wasn't exactly there. Um, I see the developments out of Holland. I really do. Um, he's he's a varied striker, is Holland. A uh, good clinch game, I'd say. And I'd say he's mo- the more technical of the strike of the two strikers between him and Muradov. Um, and so the the reach, the, the better technique, uh, that should help Holland win this fight at range. Um, and, you know, what Mohamed comes comes into the fight with is just kind of like that range striking game. He's a very good range striker. He's got the superior footwork and mobility of these two. Um, and he could switch stances himself, utilizes a good jab. His hands are sharp. He's varied as well. But what I noticed with Mohamed is he's usually like the longer fighter in there. Um, but in this matchup, Holland's a longer fighter. So I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out because I think it'll play out in favor of Holland. Like, his Mockman's used to being the longer, taller guy, but Holland's got that that reach advantage here. And the fight just, you know, takes place at like kicking range. I, I just think Holland's going to get the better of that. Like, Holland's uh, Murdov is more of like a range striker. He's not like so much like a. Uh, like a super urgent pocket boxer, you know, like if, if Mahmoud showed more urgency to get in the pocket, if he fought more like a, a fighter that would engage in the pocket more and, and go for some takedowns, I might even pick him here, but I just think that he's going to largely oblige to the type of style that Holland brings in that range striking game. And, and Holland's probably going to outpoint him over the course of three rounds. I, it's not a blowout of a matchup or anything like that. Again, I'm picking Allen here based off that, that dynamic, but I do think that Mahmed will get his legs in. Like I said, he's a, he's a good, he's a solid technical striker and he's got the better footwork of the two. Uh, he himself utilizes feints and combination striking proficiency. And he does have a double leg takedown against the fence. I just, his wrestling though is like, he doesn't really go to it a whole lot. So it's, I'm not exactly uh, predicting him to just kind of go out there and shoot as many takedowns as say, Stewart did. Maybe he mixes in one or two and gets some top control time, but I think that largely the fight is going to be won or lost in the feet, where again, favor Holland, uh, longer reach, more technical striker, um, and also been more active here recently. Um, had a bit of a cardio dump in that last time out uh, against Darren Stewart. Um, that's a concern, but uh, I haven't really seen like a, you know, say like against Buckley where there was like some massive cardio uh, issues there. So I think that for the most part, uh, Holland's cardio holds up. He should be able to get the nod here on the judges' scorecard. So he will be my pick. Co-main event, I'm really looking forward to this one. We've got Bryce Mitchell taking on Andre Feely. Um, Without a doubt, I think this is Bryce's toughest test in the UFC thus far. It's not to say he can't pass it. I mean, after all, I did say that about uh, Magomed Ankalaev taking on Iwan Kutalaba last week, and he passed it in flying colors. But um, this is an interesting one stylistically, you know, because I think that Bryce – Definitely looked a lot better in that last fight against Rosa than he did in, in say, his you know first couple fights due to the the cardio. Um, I realize he's like a grapple heavy fighter, and that's naturally going to you know tire out a fighter more than say if they were to just purely strike for fifteen minutes. Uh, but his cardio looked a lot better. I mean, I, I know that he was just controlling the grappling exchanges from bell to bell essentially and getting like a 30 24 type performance on all three judges scorecards. But the pace at which he was fighting, just nonstop transitioning chaining together different submission attempts and passing the guard just over and over again of Rosa, just nonstop attacking with twisters, uh, arm triangles. Like that was an excellent performance by Bryce Mitchell. Um, And at only 26 years young, I mean, I think that he's just going to get better on a fight to fight basis. That that's a very encouraging performance because like I said, I think that was a lot better than what he showed against Moffitt and and Diamond. Not to say that those performances were bad, 
uh, you know, from a technical level, but in terms of the cardio, you know, he, he was losing, uh, started, he was losing more and more exchanges as those fights went on respectively. But uh, that definitely was an encouraging sign for him here. Uh, I still do have questions about his takedown defense. He only defends takedowns at a rate of 33%. If you're a stats guy, um, taken down easily by Moffat and Diamond in their respective fights. Part of the reason why is I do think that he's just so confident in his scrambling and, and submission grappling ability. He's got a very threatening guard from his back, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt is Mitchell. Uh, but still, it's still a thing that as he works his way up the ranks, I don't know if it's going to be in this matchup or a future one if he keeps going, that it's not the most sustainable to just kind of be content to be on your back. Because unless if he gets the submission there or unless if he scrambles, you know, sweeps, get in, gets in top position – it's going to be um, – he could potentially give away rounds by just kind of being on his back if there's like a strong top control grappler that he's facing. Um, like I said, I don't know if this is the matchup, but uh, I would kind of like to see that that evolution there. We didn't get to see it tested against Rosa because, like I said, he was just largely in top position or he exclusively, not even largely, exclusively in top position for that, that whole fight when it was taking place on the ground. Um, so it, it's like a wait-and-see thing for me. Um but yeah, like I like I said, Feely, I do think is his toughest test of date. I think it's going to largely just come down to how many uh, grappling exchanges there are on the ground in in terms of whether or not Bryce wins. Uh, Bryce is striking, I'd say, is serviceable. You know, he utilizes a lot of like karate based kicks. He utilizes some feints. Um, he's got some solid head movements. He's got some power in his left hand. He heard Bobby Moffat with it. He could switch stances, and he's got some good footwork. Um, so, despite being known as like a like a wrestler grappler you know, st uh, fighter stylistically, he does have some solid striking, I'd say overall. Um, so while I favor Feely on the feet, you know, longer fighter, um, I think more technical of the two, uh, just fights better at range, I'd say. I don't think it's like this blowout of a matchup on the feet. Um, so I, I favor Feely there to kind of win, win minutes, but uh, it's all kind of come down to, like I say, you know, how much, uh, how, much, how often, if, if at all, Bryce could get this fight to the ground? I do think he's a solid offensive wrestler, but we've seen Feely. Uh, he doesn't come from like a wrestling background, but he's been training uh, Team Alpha Male for years now, a, a very strong like wrestling camp, like wrestling mixed martial arts camp that, that features a lot of like strong wrestlers like Josh Emmett, uh, Cody Garbrandt for all those years. Um, you know, Uriah Faber, those guys. Like uh, that's, that's an interesting angle because um, – I do think Feely can be taken down, but I don't think he can be taken down easily. Like uh, I went back and watched some fights like against uh, Hakron Diaz was a while ago. Um, but, it, you know, and even going back to his fight against Sadiq Youssef, Sadiq Youssef, excellent talent, uh, strong, really strong guy, uh, athletic. But what makes me nervous, particularly in round two in that fight for this one, is there was a, an instance in round two where Youssef um, – got a hold of a Kimura in the clinch and kind of Kimura swept Feely um, into top position. The fight kind of hit the ground after he grabbed a hold of Feely's arm in the clinch and just kind of Kimura swept him. And, uh, you know, he's basically able to to control Feely on the ground. You know, he, he mounted Feely. Uh, that was actually after a different sequence. But he, he took down Feely with a caught kick. He mounted him. You know, guard was passed easily multiple times in that fight. And um, – he was able to to keep Fila there. I know that Yusef, he said he comes from like a, a jiu-jitsu gym, you know, what was like the first gym memory serves from his post-fight interview there. But uh, it's still like a concern seeing like how dominant Mitchell is on the ground and seeing Yusef, what he was able to do from top position against Fila, you know, mount him, pass his guard easily um, and control Fila on the ground. Um, 
So yeah, Feely's scrambling ability from bottom is is a liability. I'd say he's not a he's not a poor grappler. I'd say, but uh, you know, if, if Bryce gets on top of him, I think that he could pass the guard and, and probably do some damage to control and 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 potentially even submit Feely. Even though I don't think Feely's super liable there. I mean, I was just so impressed with what I saw out of Bryce against Rosa. Rosa's a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, not an easy guy to win the grappling exchanges against, and he just you know had Rosa he nearly tapped him more than once in that fight. I mean. It was so impressive seeing Bryce just nonstop go, endless uh, transitions on the ground, and you just go for the go for the uh, the submission attempts nonstop. He attempted the twister multiple times. Like that's a concern because it's like you know Feely could be the better wrestler on paper, but you know maybe Bryce just catches one of his kicks and, and just ends up in top position. Like that that is where the fight could be really problematic for Feely because at any point if Bryce gets on top of him, he could really dominate. But you know, skill set wise, I do think that Feely is like the overall more complete fighter that has been in there with the higher level of opposition. But like I say, Mitchell could make it competitive on the feet. They'll favor Feely there. And then again, if he gets in top position at any point, he can maintain control and possibly win by submission. So I actually understand in, in some respect why the odds are the way they are. You know, Mitchell being a slight favorite. Um, it's not a blowout of a matchup on the feet. It's not a blowout of a matchup in the wrestling. Um, he can land takedowns. And when he does get in top position, he will be that that will be the biggest imposing advantage that one fighter will have over the other in this matchup. So that's why I think it's so stylistically intriguing because it's it's definitely Mitchell's toughest test to date in the UFC. But that said, it is a matchup that I do think that he he passes, you know, and and a win over Feely will will potentially put him in the top 15 or a top 15 type of fight. Um, I'm, I was just so impressed with what I saw with him against Rosa and even against sales, even though, uh, you know, you can only take so much away from a quick finish, but I mean, even that, um, he just, he knew exactly what he wanted to do in that fight. I, I see just an improved fighter out of him fight to fight, just cardio wise, uh, game plan wise, just technique wise, you know? So I, I trust that, uh, he's making improvements on a fight to fight basis. Uh, a young, hungry guy, Feely hungry as well. I'm not doubting his motivation or anything like that, but uh, I actually um, I'm picking Bryce Mitchell to win this matchup in what should be, um, you know, potentially a, a fun and action packed fight. So Bryce Mitchell is going to be my pick. Uh, lastly, we've got the main event: um, Uriah Hall taking on Anderson Silva. Yeah, Anderson Silva's retirement fights. You know. Um, just an, an awesome career the guys had um, one of, you know, just, again, I'm not going to bring up the whole goat argument here, but just, you know, just such an impressive res resume as Anderson Silva has. And, uh, you know, he's been doing it for so long. I, I, maybe some people just remember like the, the skid that he's kind of had in recent years. Uh, but when this guy was in his prime, I mean, he was just, uh, he still is a fan favorite, favorite, but uh, you know, just in his prime, just so much fun to watch, still fun to watch, but uh, just such a legend of the game is Anderson Silva. So um, he's going to top off a nice career um, here in a fight against uh, Uriah Hall um, on Halloween. So I think it's a good way to end it on, on a really, uh, you know, historically awesome career has Anderson Silva had. So with that said, let's just talk about the matchup, you know, um, going prior to tape, I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, pick Hall with a lot of conviction and maybe even bet him. I didn't know. Uh, but, but after tape, um, it's a, it's not, it's not this blowout of a matchup. I think it could be kind of close. You know, if you look on paper, like obviously Silva has, has been on a, a skid, no doubt about it in recent years, ever since the loss to Weidman, uh, he's just been struggling to win fights at a high clip. 
Um, and that's just facts. You know, he just he, he has that win over Brunson, albeit it was very competitive. Um, he's just been struggling to win consistently. And that's what kind of makes it tough for him. Because even though I, there were some things I went back and liked um, from what I saw on him on tape, like I liked how despite losing to Israel, he fought well in that fight. I mean, like I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Um, they had like a really back and forth, like methodical chess match type of battle. Um, you know, and I, I thought like, yeah, maybe he, he's definitely not in his prime anymore, but is he like so far gone where like, this is this blowout of a match of like hall, uh, hall wins a hundred times out of a hundred. I don't think so. Like, yes, Anderson is 45 years of age now. Yes. He's been popped by USADA multiple times. Yes. There's some obvious regression. Like I said, he's won two fights in his past in the past eight years. He's been two and six and with one no contest and he's, he's noticeably regressed, uh, you know, athletically, just looking back at some fights, uh, want to go back to say whatever, like 2012 or 2010 to like, now you, you could see like the, the regression is athleticism, but again, he's just so skilled as a striker, just education wise, technique wise, um, he's been doing it for so long that like in a fight that should be won or lost standing, because like I say, I mean, I don't think that Silva's got good enough wrestling. Not that he really looks to go to it anyway, uh, but to take Hall down on the flip side, Hall's been mixing in, you know, say one takedown in recent fights when need be, but if, even he barely mixes it in and uh, Silva's got the uh, better Brazilian jiu-jitsu of the two uh, third degree black belt is Anderson Silva, more so known as a striking, but an excellent Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, don't doubt about it. Um, but on a fight that should be won or lost standing, um, it, it could be close, man. I mean, I think that Hall should be a bit sharper, again, just based off the age, 36 years young compared to 45 years young. We've got Silva, um, who hasn't fought since uh, that bout that he had against uh, Cannoneer. I know that Hall's fight was just a few months after against uh, Antonio Carlos Jr., but uh, you also got, you know, just the factor of um, – Hall, you could just say he's just got uh, more motivation here. You know, he's he plans on keep fighting after this fight. He hasn't announced that he's going to retire or anything beforehand. Uh, whereas Anderson has said that he's got, you know, this is his last fight. I don't I expect him to just, um, you know, go out there and just half-ass a performance or anything like that. But that's still a concern knowing that, like, he knows subconsciously, like, this is his last fight. But uh, stylistically, you know, they're both very good strikers, like uh, Hall big power in his hands. Um, he's a good technical striker as Hall makes excellent reads and adjustments throughout the fight. Uh, as does Anderson, um, very high le a level athleticism does Hall have as does Anderson again, not, not as to the extent as he was in say his prime, but still, uh, even that fight against Israel, just throwing flying knees, making those excellent reads. It was fun to watch, uh, going more on Hall though, you know, very striking. He utilizes a good front kick, low kick, spinning kick, hook kick, um, and a very good jab as well. We saw that in the Paulo Costa fight. He had a lot of success landing that jab. Uh, and he's got big power in his right hand that he's hurt a lot of fighters with. You know, Antonio Carlos Jr., Bevan Lewis, uh, Christoph Yako. Uh, he's got counter striking proficiency, does Hall. And, uh, you know, he seems to be kind of, you know, coming into his own. You know, he's won three out of his past four fights. You know, I know that there was a split decision in there with ACJ. But, um, you know, he, he's his confidence is potentially uh, – is the high highest it's been in a long time, you know, he's been training at Fortis MMA now. Uh, he seems to like it out there as well. So um, Hall from just in, in terms of like, uh, like an optic standpoint of like what's going on outside of the cage. I have to say that he's in the better place of the two. 
Um, like I said, just in terms of the age and just all that's been going on in terms of just, you know, again, he's preparation in terms of uh, wanting to fight beyond this fight. Whereas, like I said, Silva is uh, going to just, this is his last fight. But uh, on the flip side with Hall, what makes me nervous and kind of what makes me think that Anderson's live here is Hall, just like Silva, is just kind of like a lower output striker. He rarely throws in combination, does Hall. Uh, he doesn't, you know, fight with a whole lot of urgency. He was kind of just like basically in sparring mode um, in rounds one and two against Bevan Lewis and just starts slow sometimes in fights. Like like I said, Bev- the Bevan Lewis fight and I guess most notably the Christoph Yako fight. Um, his durability is also concerned too, Hall. Uh, you know, he was hurt by a lead uppercut by Christoph Yako and that – that's a huge concern for me because Yako is just not, he hasn't really shown to be a big power puncher in the UFC. His only other knockouts uh, like Tandam or Corey, if, if memory serves, but uh, that's a concern. And then uh, he said in his post-fight interview that he almost went down against Bevan Lewis. Uh, you know, he may have been hurt by ACJ there. And one of the first exchanges, he kind of was coming out aggressively, popping out the jab and ACJ hit him with a, a straight shot. And he was kind of just discouraged Hall and caused him to back up and, we know Hall, like just from watching him fight with all of his high level athleticism move, those high energy moves, like the, the spinning hook kicks and whatnot, he's susceptible to pressure. Um, you know, if you pressure him, you're not able to, he's not able to get off those, those kicks, you know, put him on his back foot. They're just not as effective as they'd be if you weren't pressuring him, um, putting him on his back foot and he was in open space. But the good thing about him in this matchup is I just, I don't think Anderson's going to pressure him. Anderson doesn't really. Uh, pressure him in <laughs> that much, you know, Anderson, I, I laugh because there are times when he just uh, decides to kind of, you know, go crazy a little bit in there. Um, he'll just kind of like, like pressure you out of nowhere, so to speak. He'll just kind of get this urgency within him um, and, and just kind of come at you. Um, and, and that could be an exchange where he maybe just hurts Hall, but for the most part, he's going to try and fight methodically at range. Um, an excellent counter striker is Anderson Silva always has been, um, just makes excellent reads in order to set up and time his counters and striking exchanges. Anderson's got crafty striking, great technical striker, a varied striker, excellent head movement, though he does rely on it a bit too much. Uh, that was noticeable, noteworthy rather, in that Chris Weidman fight, the first one here, he's just kind of playing with his hands down and uh, just basically playing around in there. And we saw, uh, you know, Chris Weidman knock him out. We also saw um, Chris Weidman knock him down hurt him in that that second fight as well uh, we also saw him get hurt against michael bisping um so like i said with hall like even though hall's durability is a concern i also have a lot of concerns about anderson's durability um i know that he went three rounds with israel which is like good on paper that's definitely not a bad thing at all it's on the good side but uh you know not just in terms of his chin like i said the, the weidman fights where he was hurt and then also uh the bisping fight uh, he also looked to be wobbled there briefly by Israel in round one, also wobbled by Jared Cannonier in round one, but also his legs. His legs uh, both, I think, uh, you know, durability-wise are, are a concern. You know, his right leg was injured in the Cannonier fight. Um, that same right leg was also hurt against Adesanya from a low kick. His leg kind of buckled. He kind of like played it off like it was no big deal, but he looked to be hurt there. And then I guess, you know, one of the more notable ones are, the most notable one was the left leg that broke against Weidman. Um, so that's the concern that I have about Anderson, like his body just breaking down. Um, you know, the, the chin is a concern in terms of the durability because, you know, Weidman, great fighter, uh, not known as a power puncher. Same thing with Bisping, great fighter, great striker, developed some power as his career progressed, but generally not known as a power puncher, was able to hurt Anderson. Um, 
it's a concern. You, you know, look, you look at the legs that he has, the leg injuries, and you look at the durability. I could see Hall doing something like with that, you know, whether it's he's hurting his legs or just, he, again, the sharpness, the power of Hall in that right hand. I could certainly see him catching Anderson, um, but I could also see Anderson hurting Hall with a counter. I mean, I, I honestly would not be surprised to see Anderson Silva in this fight. I mean, I'm, I'm picking Hall. Hall's my pick, um, but I'm not like so confident in him. Like, I mean, it's again, it's still a huge concern seeing him start slow um, and in hurt in, in recent fights. Like it's just it, it, and by guys that aren't particularly known for their power, like, like Christoph Yako and him just saying that he almost went down by Bev against Bevan Lewis. Like that, this is all like, Stuff that would make me very, very hesitant. That does make me very, very hesitant about uh, picking Hall. He is going to be the side I will take. Again, I think he's closer to his prime than than Silva is. There's there's less red flags on him. There are a lot less red flags on him. But like, it's still a matchup stylistically that Anderson Silva could win. Um, so again, I'm going to pick Uriah Hall to win. But I, I would not be surprised to see you know Anderson Silva you know read something, assuming his body holds up, his legs and his shin and potentially hurts Hall himself and leads to a stoppage victory. So uh, pick is going to be your eye, Hall, but uh, I do think that the underdog in this matchup is well some under uh, other matchups that I broke down on this card uh, is certainly alive. So that's it. Yeah, that'll do it for the breakdown. I appreciate you guys tuning in for me. Um, it was uh, awesome doing this. And, uh, yeah, like I said off the top, um, got to play for the event. I'm going to wait uh, wait a little bit to place one more again, just waiting for those odds to drop. It's earlier on in the week. Um, so thank you for understanding that. And yeah, uh, any questions, feel free to reach out to me via DM DM on Twitter at AJ MMA betting. Um, again, bets can be accessed on my website, AJ's action pack sports backslash premium hyphen subscription or MMA oddsbreaker.com on the premium pick section. Uh, or again, the third party tracking site, uh, that is so very helpful. BetMMA.tips backslash Anthony S364, which also not only uh, you, you could access the bets that I placed for the event, but also uh, past past results, whether it's the past event or if you want to go back months or you know years, last year, 2019. So uh, you could check all that out if you like. So I appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, have a good one. Thank you.